head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe podcast right now to support the podcast and sign up for our premium content and now here's the podcast graham mcdonald is an idiot sean sheehan of severemma.com he even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god this is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 286 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan. Joining me today, as almost always, is uh, Graham McDonald to talk about a pretty eventful night last night in the world of MMA. Some big fights coming up next week as well. Some big fight announcements last night and some possible fight announcements as well. Come Before we get into all of that, let's give a shout out for our sponsors. Uh, and supporting us today is Manscaped. So if you haven't heard of Manscaped before... It is brilliant. They're the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. Uh, Manscaped just launched in the UK and Ireland, so we've gone years without using the right tools for the job. Uh, You can be one of the first men in Ireland and England to experience the life-changing products. And Graham, I know you're a man now, you know, I think it changed around when we were in college that, like, you know, you you have to start shaving, like you know, you you can't, you have to be more presentable, like below the waist. So, dude, and we've all got out the fucking electric shavers, and then we're doing like you know down below, and then you're put up to our face. I'm like, what? So we have now manscaped, as I have one here. I have hold on. I say, say you're you're filthy down there. We're um, putting that here in my face. <laughs> that's exactly, and that's why manscaped. I have the uh, I have the 3.0 here. It's a great yoke. Lot more 3.0 here. On, can you hear it? There we go. Can you hear that buzzing? There we go. There it is. It's a fine job. I've been uh, I've been using it here for the last two or three days since it arrived. I, I'd say you need more than a lawnmower down there, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. But uh, actually, I have it here in front of me. They have um, do you know, like a travel case as well, like a leather one. It's really good, really good quality. And I'm you know I'm always going up to Dublin for MMA events and stuff, and I always in need of one. So it's really good. They have this ball deodorant as well. Got I was talking to anyone over on Patreon, myself and Andy were talking about it. They have the pair of jocks as well that you can buy, and they're really. really really good really comfortable and also if you like uh you know if any of those stuff head on over to manscaped um uh, that's you know manscaped have redesigned the electric trimmer the manscaped engineering team has perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created uh, and just released the new improved lawnmower more 3.0 in the uk and ireland uh their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents uh, uh when i tell you it's premium i mean it's really premium battery lasts up to 90 minutes so i haven't i have had 90 minutes use out of it yet but uh, it's still going strong here and i've i've turned it on a few times uh, so far to test it out and stuff so it's really good it's waterproof technology uh, allows you to use it in the shower so it's easy to, to wash up all after it one of the coolest features the led light yeah that was the first thing i noticed because most of these ones don't have lights um and but the manscaped ones absolutely do it illuminates grooming area for precise trimming they've upgraded to a 7000 rpm motor with quiet stroke technology which is fantastic and let's not forget uh, about the charging stand yeah the charging stand another thing i got in the pack as well uh if you it's one of the first packs to come with the the lawnmower 3.0 pack with all those stuff i mentioned there so it's really really good literally um you know stand up inside in the uh inside in the charging stand and it charges away so you can show you're more uh more off loud and proud because the intelligent design stand is a convenient charge with a usb stick as well or a usb stick a usb uh charger uh if you're listening to me speak right now i want you to experience it firsthand yourself get that bush to tush clean uh use get 20 percent off and free shipping with the promo code severe mma at manscaped.com make your testies their besties so get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code severe mma at manscaped 20 percent off yeah they just started a few days ago they just started shipping from europe so it's, yeah. it's been coming very fast we, we know a few of the a few of the loyal subscribers have mm-hmm. uh have ordered and got theirs already so it's uh even with the coronavirus they're arriving quickly and obviously yeah. with free shipping and 20 percent off it's a it's a great deal that's yeah, really good yeah sean didn't i know ordered them and literally like the next day <laughs> i was like well, how did you get them so you got them quicker than me how the fuck uh, they must have known it was uh, denny and uh yeah they put it uh <laughs> top priority top yeah. priority shipping <laughs> i said denny was over in fucking poland or somewhere and he got he got it straight, straight to him or somebody did uh yeah for a so yeah as we said 20 percent off free shipping uh manscaped.com promo 
code severe man promo code severe man so, like it's coming up to help, christmas help, us, like, help us help you indeed it's going, like it's coming up to christmas and all you know you're, what, what, what do they say your, your balls will tank us yeah you're, you're, make your testes your, 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 your girlfriend too your, yeah your girlfriend <laughs> will, yeah yeah but like it's it'd be a good present too like you're buying for your brother or your cousin or your father even or whoever it might be um so yeah if you're any women listen to this you can you can buy them too it's not just a man's product but uh yeah, manscaped.com, promo code severe, man. Also, yeah, I'd say so, a, lot, a lot of girls probably go and buying them for their, for their husband or for their, for their, like, for their yeah. just to clean up there. Oh, yeah, here's a present. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah basically, yeah, it's more of a message yeah, than, yeah, a, than a present. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> little elbows being drawn in. Yeah, he did. Uh, today is also brought to you by uh, my bookie. So, ever since we started talking about um, MMA and all that, people have been asking us for our advice. Uh, and it's usually about who's going to win and what the bet should be. Like, a couple of weeks ago, everyone was asking us, was it going to be Habib or Gaethje? And at the weekend, I actually, I predicted, I said Anderson Silva would win four, or uh, sorry, uh, Uroy Hall would win four rounds. So if you listen to me there and you're over at my bookie, that's uh, very good. So uh, the best piece of advice we can give to anyone is, is go over and uh, bet with my bookie. It's who you're betting with. Um, you've got the deposit matches, free bets, huge cash prizes for all your contests to take advantage of all season long. They've NFL action, college football, Premier League, all of that, mobile-friendly website, great customer service, uh, making their platform a one-stop shop for all their betting needs. MyBookie offers everything from championship fixtures, as I mentioned, NFL, in-game betting, uh, making sure that you're covered every step of the way. If you got the early season prizes, congratulations on that. And the NBA championship just ended. The Lakers won that as well, so I believe if you got that, fair bet. And if you've backed uh, uh, Man United to win the Premier League as well, you're <laughs> Probably you're gonna make, make, make your money back when we smash Arsenal right today. So sign up. You can just you bet against Man United <laughs> to win at home, and you yeah, probably be uh, exactly. probably be rolling the money. If you put if you put in fifty dollars, a hundred dollars, or a hundred euro, they'll they'll match, match it, that yeah. and put it into your into your account as well on it with our code Severe May. Yeah, code Severe May. So sign up my bookie when you use the promo code Severe May. Claim a deposit match dollar for dollar, all the way up to a thousand bucks. So you can put in five hundred quid and you get five hundred back. So it's a bonus designed to give you a little help in your uh, head start on your uh, your winning season. So promo called Severe and May for you to claim your bonus uh, with your deposit stacked UFC carriage presidential prop bets I know that's coming up this uh, Tuesday I think if you want to back Donald Trump or Joe Biden um, sign up today and begin your winning season exclusively at my bookie Right, that's it, lads. She's an awful lot of ads today. We want the fucking Grammy to be rolling in the money altogether. God almighty. But, uh, yes, podcast time now. And let's talk about the... I suppose we'll talk about the fights from last night. Anderson Silva, Uriah Hall. It it went funnily, like, almost exactly as I, as I thought it would go later in the week. Anyway, I know I did, I did a, a podcast with my boy Shaq over in, uh, over in Fightful, and we were talking about it, and I was like... I feel like Anderson come out looking a bit like remember Jose Aldo when he fought Perrian and um, he looked good for the first few rounds and then I think it was just I I think he realised that he wasn't going to get Uriah Hall out of there and that Uriah Hall was always going to kind of you know Dana White afterwards called him gunshy and he is always a bit gunshy but I think Uriah Hall was always going to have a purple patch in the fight and Anderson Silva I think it's not that he wilted, it's just that like he gave Uriah Hall more opportunities maybe than he did in the first two and a half rounds. And at the end of the third, you saw him getting knocked down and knocked out in the fourth round as well. What did you think overall? I know a lot of people were saying, you know, it's funny because you see fighters like Anderson Silva. And some people are saying, oh, he looked good. You know, he looked really good. This is Anderson Silva of old. And other people are saying he looks absolutely shot. You know, Dana White says, no way, I can't give him another fight in the UFC. Well, where did you stand in it? How did you see how Anderson Silva looked? Well, I can kind of see both because at the start of the fight, um, it kind of I, like I actually thought Anderson might win this one. Um, and at the start of the fight, it looked like it was going that way. And um, I, I think it was the end of the first round. He kind of had a flurry, and you were thinking, oh, maybe maybe he could do it here, or the Anderson of old would have would have maybe finished it here. But uh, yeah, he's just not as quick, not as sharp. Um, <sighs> he's just he, he what is he forty five years old? Like it's 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 a. Uh, it's to be expected, but maybe the the you know the performance in the in the Adesanya fight maybe maybe gave people. I was kind of thinking of that fight when I when I was thinking of this Uriah Hall fight. I think like you know if he puts that if he kind of does what he did in the Adesanya fight to Uriah Hall, Uriah Hall might wilt because of his kind of as I mentioned and I think it was in, was it the the betting podcast mm-hmm. that uh, you know Uriah Hall's obviously like you know. Uh, 
maybe he doesn't he lacks a killer instinct and you could see afterwards when he was kind of in tears and kind of consoling Anderson Silva that maybe he looked up to Anderson Silva and I thought that might play a factor as well mm. if if it started going wrong for him he might kind of you know look for a way out like maybe he has done in the past but in fairness to him he stuck in there and you know Anderson started to fade and obviously the the knockdown um at the end of the round uh, you could see that maybe in the past Anderson Silva would have been able to you know avoid that shot or roll with that shot or, or just take that shot yeah. on the chin but he's just not able to anymore yeah um, it was fun. i was um I, I was thinking last night it was, it was funny after douglas Nima um and gegar musassi the other day which we might speak about a little bit later on myself and andy did a full <coughs> full recap of it anyway over on patreon if you want uh, like half an hour chatting that but i was thinking about like some in that fight, I thought Lima might have been playing kind of the long game, you know, in fights. And we, it's something you don't actually see that often in MMA. Oh, I was trying to think of an example of it, and I really... I'm sure there is one out there, but I couldn't think of one offhand. But it's something in boxing that happens all the time. I was watching some boxing fights uh, last night, and kind of, you know, Usyk lost the first couple of rounds to Chisora, and then came back and won all the later rounds. You know, you kind of... That's something you can do in, in, in boxing, but... In MMA, I'm not sure if it's a thing that much, but I think Uriah Hall did it a little bit here. I think Uriah Hall maybe deserves a little bit more credit than he's actually getting, especially Dana White coming out shitting all over him, which he tends to do. Like, when you're fighting Anderson Silva, okay, you ha- okay, you can come out, and I, I tweeted last night, I think he's fighting 35-year-old Anderson Silva in his mind rather than 45-year-old Anderson Silva that's in front of him. But you have to, when you're fighting someone like that, I think you have to show him respect and you have to give... You know, you have to give the right amount of leeway to like draw him into your game rather than just going out and saying, This guy is old, he's done, and I'm not going to respect him. You know, that's a good way of getting knocked out. Anderson Silva can still absolutely knock you out. Uh, and I think Uriah Hall played a smart game and ended up getting the finish. So, how, like, if Uriah Hall, okay, if we win five rounds and maybe Hall got a few knockdowns and he let him back up or whatever, and maybe he won a decision. Then maybe you can give out him, but I think he got the he got the finish, and I thought it was uh, I thought it was good from him. But the the thing, one thing about Anderson is right. I asked there at the start, like, <clears throat> and maybe it's a question everyone's uh, asking themselves this morning, like, is, is Anderson Silva shot, or did Anderson Silva look good in in the first couple of rounds? And I think you said it's a bit of both. I actually think it's like in the middle because it's not Anderson Silva of old. Let's be honest here; he's not that quick pace guy who can move his head without getting touched and come in and strike you and Bisping like Bisping's commentary on the Anderson Silva fight I thought was a bit weird because I feel like he was commentating on it in terms of how Michael Bisping should fight Anderson Silva and not in terms of how everyone else including Uriah Hall especially should fight Anderson Silva he's like you need to go far that's probably one of the worst things you can do against Anderson Silva unless you're someone like Michael Bisping you know um and I think Uriah Hall actually fought smartly but for me Anderson, there was a fight last week, I can't remember which one it was, one of the big fights anyway, and I remember people listening to this podcast have a better memory than me, but we were talking about like how every round in it, the the guy fought a different way, you know, and fought kind of a new way and changed things up and looked varied, and I actually thought Anderson Silva was like a little bit like that in this fight, especially in the first two rounds, he came out looking like a southpaw boxer, you know, he was throwing little bits of kicks, but most of them were kind of just to get uh, inside, Uh, it was a close enough round and Hall was landing a few counters but i thought silva had uh, anderson silva had more output and it was one of those rounds where nothing huge landed so i gave it to him and in the second round anderson came out and he was kicking more you know he was kicking to the body i think it was actually in, maybe into the first round where he threw that like the, the the spinning wheel kick to the calf you know what i did so but he was kicking loads to the body and things and not in huge landing and your right hall was landing his own as well and then hall landed a few kicks uh towards the into the stomach uh, and I thought that was the best um, strike of that round, most immediately impactful, so I gave him the second. And Anderson, like Anderson in this third round, you know, we always talked in the past about Anderson taking a couple or maybe one round to get into it, or maybe even three or four minutes to get into it. I thought he looked really fast in the third round. He was landing some nice jabs, and he was winning it. Uh, but then there was a little bit of a stoppage, and a big right hand came after that then from Uriah Hall, the knockdown with 15 seconds left, and Anderson survived, and obviously the KO in in the end. To me, if it was a three-round fight, you know, which maybe it should have been, uh, Anderson Silva would it would have been a great performance from Anderson Silva, you know, win or lose, he probably would have won over three rounds. It would, it would or well, maybe not because it knocked down in the third, but maybe that wouldn't happen in a three-round fight. But f- I I said it on the podcast last week. 
and uh, you know talking about it during the week I think five rounds was always going to be tough for Anderson Silva against Uriah Hall especially you know I had I think you know it, it can get lost in the bluster of what Dana White said and all but the performance from Uriah Hall and I think Safe Sayud is in his corner now and this guy I, I, like I don't know much about him to be honest but everyone kind of mentions his name and when you when you see his guys fight they all have smart intelligent game plans and it's maybe a broader picture kind of issue I think but there's Sometimes in MMA, your you, your game plan can actually be a little bit too smart, I think. Like Fabian Edwards in his last fight against Costello Van Steenis. I think he tried to be too technical, too good, too smart. And sometimes a guy who just pushes forward and lands a few big shots against you and is a bit headless can actually be better than a smart game plan sometimes. It's because, you know, we looked at John Jones and he's like a really intelligent guy and everyone says he's the best of all time. And it's mostly down to, to his intelligent intelligence coupled with his lint and size and all of that as well and everything else. But he's, to me, he, his uh, brilliance is down to his intelligence. And that will only work if you're a really 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 special fighter um and i think safe sayud has found his in his fighters people who will do a little bit of both and with uriah hall if you can kind of add the intelligence to the um or if you can add kind of the madness to the intelligence you'll have a really really special fighter there and uh i think he deserves more credit than, than what he got last night what, what did you think of uriah hall maybe before we close up on anderson silva again after that yeah, I, I don't really see where Dana's coming from. I, you know, he went out there against somebody like Anderson Silva. Obviously, he's, he's not the same as before, but he, as you mentioned earlier, he's still very dangerous, still has strikes, single strikes that could knock you out. Yeah. And he's, he's, you've got to be very careful. Uh, and as you said, I think that the long game was a was a good uh, tactic for, for Hall. Like, well, I was thinking Anderson might put him away in, in the first couple of rounds or maybe even the third round. And if it went long, it was, it was always going to be, as you kind of mentioned, Uriah Hall's uh, fight to lose. So he brought it long and, you know, he, he could have finished it a little earlier maybe um, if, if, there wasn't, if there wasn't so short time at the end of the round when he got the knockdown. But, uh, yeah, I think from Uriah Hall's uh, point of view, it was a, it was a great performance. Um he's kind of struggled in the past maybe to let go uh, of his strikes and uh, against guys who don't offer uh, a huge threat coming back like Anderson does so I, I think in, in other cases in other fights you could you could say that about Uriah Hall what Dana was saying but in this case I think it was it was the, the smart thing to do yeah I, yeah I tend to agree so uh, like before the fight Anderson Silva was kind of saying this will be my last fight in the UFC but not my last fight or like Hinton, you know, same kind of both things. It's my retirement fight, but my kind of UFC retirement rather than anything else. Um, and he kind of said that again last night after he lost. And Dana White said, I don't want to give him another fight, which is more than likely Dana White uh, shitting on now a Bellator or 1FC fighter, you know? he He's, this Anderson Silva, one of the greatest legends in UFC history, one of the best fighters of all time. Okay, didn't always do great business for Dana White, but did good business, uh, uh, you know, in a good portion of his career, especially after the Shelton fight, stepped in on short notice to fight Daniel Carmier. And here's Dana White, you know, just after he got knocked out, shitting on him. And that tells you all you need to know about, uh, about Dana White. Uh, but I suppose that's an argument we've had 150 times before, but... I, one interesting topic maybe uh, about Anderson Silva and about fighters in general. You know, Conor McGregor tweeted last night. It's you know people were saying to him should uh, should Anderson Silva retire, and he goes he should just find like his level of competition and fight them. I think it's an interesting one because to me prize fighting's a little bit different. And when I look at guys when they come come down from the top, I'd love to see him retire at that time. But in other sports, you know, we we see it. You know, <laughs> Damien Duff. Played for uh, Chelsea and played at the very top level. Played in the Champions League and they went and like played for fucking Shamrock Rovers or somewhere after that. And like look at Wayne Rooney now. He's like playing for Derby and Steven Gerrard played for Liverpool. Okay, not at the top level, but he went and he played for uh, you know over in the MLS afterwards and stuff. People in other sports do go down levels and go win <laughs> the Champions League isn't the top level. Never won the Premier League. Do go down levels and uh, well, he did win a league at uh, over in the MLS, so maybe he went up a level. But you know, maybe that's a bad example. But you know what I mean? Do you think that's a thing like in MMA? that we like if Anderson Silva fought guys he could beat all the time so wouldn't it be grand do, do you think that's a thing we should see in MMA? like I don't think that but I think it's an interesting <laughs> fight that McGregor brought up well I can see that people talk about kind of like for years a Legends League I don't think you need to make it so like you know specific and so rigid but yeah. I think you, you could start making a few more matchups like that kind of like Bellator have done with like a Rampage or you know what I mean stuff like that mm. like you know you don't need to 
you, you don't want to put them in against guys who are on their way up and you know not ready for it but there definitely is like a and like you know there's a lot of guys in the middleweight division that you could put Anderson up against and you could think oh he has a good chance here and I think Uriah Hall he did have a good chance as well I don't think that was like way out of his out of his realm but I definitely don't want to see him even if he had a won that fight like you know uh, you wouldn't want to see him in there against the very very top guys because you, you know that's going to end badly yeah I think the problem is when you're watching a fighter who we watch for years and years and years and we knew was a special fighter and he's just not a special fighter anymore like I was watching a bit of a Barcelona game there last week <clears throat> and saw Messi and he looked so slow. It was I was actually a bit sad. I was watching it for about twenty minutes, and and I know Messi is still really good, and he's still you know he's kind of changed his game and found different ways, and that's possible. I suppose. Sorry, you know, Ryan Giggs did it. He he reinvented himself and played in a different way. And Messi is obviously a a, a better uh, player than him, but and he's still doing really really well. But he just he's still good but not the same you know and it, it's sad sometimes when you see players like that like even I know Rooney's another example he, he kind of lost his legs and couldn't start playing or Torres when he was playing for Liverpool was brilliant and then he moved to Chelsea and like he couldn't move and he couldn't score I remember there was one stage Torres had had more managers at Chelsea than he had goal scored and I was like oh my god this poor guy you know like that's that's the problem I think with greats like Anderson Silva it's not that he's a bad well, fighter yeah. it's just he's not what he was but you have to yeah, you can have those like moments of brilliance. Like you know, you can mention Torres there. Obviously, he scored uh, important goals when Chelsea won the Champions yeah, League. Barcelona. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, but the all round game isn't there. Like you know, maybe Anderson could do something. I know he's a little older, but something like Alice Alice Overeem did and kind of become like a, a ultra defensive <laughs> outside point fighter. Yeah, he, he, he and, did know, a bit of that in the first round. He, he, yeah, he did a bit of that, but then he, for the finish, he waded in with his with his yeah. <laughs> with his hands wide and just kind of ran into a few shots, which you know uh, obviously isn't advisable when you're a little bit chinny and uh, old. Yeah, that is a big issue. Where do you see Anderson? Like, if if this, I'm not saying he's retirement, but if it's his last UFC fight, and he's obviously a UFC legend, where where do you see him in like the pantheon of of great UFC fighters? Uh, it's a tough one because of the drug tests, you know. Um, if it wasn't for the drug tests, he'd be... They came after he snapped his leg. They came after he lost his sight. It's not like John Jones or TJ Dillashaw. They right came in the after Usada came in, you know what I mean? They came after yeah, Usada came in, so you, it puts a... You can't count that against a MMA fighters. On. In every MMA fighter before Usada's yeah, yeah. drug cheese. Nah, you can't. No, but if they, if, they, if they tested positive a couple of times for steroids straight after, then... You can kind of put two and two together there, like you know ah, what I mean. But he snapped his leg in half. I blame the leg. It, break. It, it, it puts it, it puts it, Yeah, you could, you could, but it definitely puts doubt a cloud there that would, that wasn't there before. Like you know, if if it, if he was a completely clean athlete in his whole career and did what he did, and you know, at age what 38, 39, 40, he's still on the top of the game. But with you know, I'm, I've I was a big fan of Anderson Silva throughout the years, and still like to watch him fight and all. But it definitely does take away from your your legacy and your and your like status at the top of or towards the top of the the greatest of all time yeah like I, I think it i think it does as well but i think the actual the losses take away more from it but the problem with that is right if we look back say at gsp beat every fella he ever fought you know we we don't see those losses at the end of his career like anderson silva had and we can look at him in a bigger light and there's an easier argument to make for GSP to be like the greatest of all time over Anderson Silva, but in their prime, who was a better fighter? Like, I think Anderson Silva probably was. GSP was great. I'm not taking away oh, from Anderson, GSP. Yeah. yeah, Anderson was a yeah. Anderson was the best. Uh, like at the top, at the top of his game, he was he was unbelievable to watch, and he made absolute fools of people. Like you know, twenty pounds up against the former champion in in Forrest Griffin, he mm-hmm. absolutely made a mockery of him. Yeah. So like, it's funny. We sometimes because of what happens later. We actually downplay what happened before, and I don't think we should like to. Be, and I, I don't know. It's it's an interesting debate, and the go debate is a different one. But uh, my more my point here is more on let's appreciate how great Anderson Silva actually was. Let that come back against Chelson and uh, in the first fight when he's you know his rib was broken coming into the fight, and you know it, actually um, you know you talk about making a mockery of people, making a mockery of Chris Lieben, making a mockery of Rich Franklin, making a mockery of you know this, um, Stephen Bonner. Forrest Griffin you know really good fighters in their area just absolutely destroying them and he, like we talk about cleaning out divisions he cleaned out the 
division twice and went upwards and you know beat, beat everyone there. and uh, you know I, I I think it was Andy McCarroll sent in a question the other day about will it count against him he didn't go in and, and uh, win the light heavyweight title uh, in his prime if you're like maybe a newer fan and came in maybe in the McGregor era it's easy to look at what we have now and we talk about Adesanya versus Blahovic in, in a while maybe as well and see people going up in weights and, and winning titles that didn't happen that much before you know there was a reason like BJ Pin was special and Dan Henderson and Pride was special and stuff because that didn't really happen that much uh, McGregor changed the game in that area because everyone wanted to be like him. You know, we saw Amanda Nunes doing, we saw TJ Dillashaw going down, we saw Daniel Carmier, we see possibly John Jones now, we see Adesanya, we saw fucking Anthony Pettis trying to go down. Mm. Cejudo, yeah, everyone is trying to do it now. You know, he's trying. To, Cejudo's even trying to do it with third weight class. That did. That was just unheard of before, really. Uh, so I don't think you're going to hold that against Anderson Silva, but Anderson Silva at his best. There was almost no one, you know, in terms of, like, excitement and technique and brilliance and cockiness, there was no one like him. Like, you can say, okay, maybe Dimitri Shanson and his uh, prime was a better fighter all around than Anderson Silva, but I don't think there's anyone has really ever been as, as exciting and brilliant as him. And we have to appreciate Anderson Silva if you're a newer fight fan. You know, maybe it's a good time if one of our uh, $20 subscribers wants to tell us to do an Anderson Silva career retrospective. Maybe now is a good time, actually. And just look at the middle part of his career and those 15 wins in a row or whatever it was. And forget about the rest of it because we've talked enough about that. But, uh, yeah, I, like, I, uh, last night, because of fucking Dana White and his shit, it ended very negatively. But... I'd like to take more positives out of it. I think it was a good performance from Uriah Hall. Tan Anderson Silva showed up and, and had a good performance, and he's a legend of the game as well, and we should appreciate him for that. But how and ever. I'm, I'm, I don't know what I am. Feeling, I'm feeling good this morning. Maybe it's my shave balls. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's it. But uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Promo code Severe and Mayor Uh Bryce Mitchell and Andre Feely. This this is wrong. Two of the judges in this scored the second round for uh, Bryce yeah. Mitchell, and that was terrible, 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 yeah. terrible judging. So yeah, what did you think of the fight, though, overall? Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a competitive fight. Uh, obviously, Mitchell's takedowns were, were the difference in the end, but um, uh, Feely, uh, yeah, that second round, like you know, Mitchell got did get takedown, but he, he did absolutely nothing with it, and he ate some big shots on the feet and. You know, uh, maybe under the old criteria, you could see that as a as a Mitchell round, but under the new criteria that has been in place for a few years now at this stage, surely that second round is a, a feedy round. Luckily for, you know, luckily it didn't affect the actual mm-hmm. outcome of the fight. But uh, yeah, it was a it was a bad round from that judge, a bad uh, scorecard on on that round from the judge. Yeah, so I think Chris Lee gave it to Andre Feely, so fair play to him, uh, and the other two judges didn't. So that's the sort of round like where you know, obviously me, I'm on this crusade to like even understand judging a one man crusade and no one else cares about. Uh, and then I say, oh, this round is definitely going to be feeding around. Then two judges give it to him. And I look like a fucking mug then, you know. <laughs> it, does, it does me no fucking good. Because everything people say about judges just proved right by a shittily judge round like this one. And I never criticize judges. I think they have a tough job and I always kind of understand it. But I don't understand this. Like, I thought Feely was absolutely, you know, bursting him up. On, well, I'm not bursting him up. But, like, he was winning handily on the feet. Got a takedown. Landed maybe three or four shots in it and Feely ended up getting back up there was not nothing there like okay if Mitchell was ahead it would have maybe put him a little bit further ahead or would have just kept his uh, his lead but no but look it's it, that's not the bigger picture of the fight anyway so we'll, we'll get off of that it's just a <laughs> judging thing but um, I thought both of them looked good as well in this fight um, Mitchell took him down at the very start and Feely did a fantastic job and popped straight back up but I think what happened directly after that shows why I think Bryce Mitchell might have it, you know, I, and I'm not, I, I'm not 100% convinced in Bryce Mitchell, but what he did after Feely got back up, and he pulled him straight down, and he refused to give up on it, it's something you don't see that often, it's that kind of headstrong um, uh, belief in your ability, which we see from great fighters, and it, it might seem like a small thing to, to some people, but to me it was a big thing. I was like, this guy, he just refuses to give up on himself. He just refuses to give up on what he wants to do. And he pulled him down again. He won that first round because of that. We, we talked about the second round and the third round again. Mitchell got um, got a few takedowns again and landed some good stuff on top. So it was, uh, you know, it was one of those rounds or one of those fights where it was 
I thought it was a pretty simple 29-28. Only one judge got it that way, but other than that, um, you know, it was it was a good performance for Mitchell. I, I like on the field. I think Mitchell, he's, you know, people say he's in Arkansas and can he improve and can he get better? I think his striking isn't the worst in the world, but his wrestling is really really good and his jujitsu. Obviously, we've seen him before getting twisters and things like that. I feel like. Maybe not leave your gym, you know, I'm not saying go in, go away from Arkansas, because he seems to be one of these guys, you know, it's worked for guys before, like, you know, it's worked for Conor McGregor staying in his gym, not leaving, and it's not going to work for everyone, and, you know, maybe some people will get drawn into that, it'll work for him, it'll work for me, and that's not the case, but I'd, I'd love to see Bryce Mitchell, you know, maybe <clears throat> go go somewhere like AK. I think he's... It's just, also, you know, it's also easy to say, oh, then he guy needs to go to TriStar was like the popular thing two or three yeah. years ago then it's like okay then it's you know but a lot of guys go there and it doesn't work out and they move on and you kind of you don't people forget about that they only remember when when it works out well so yeah. it, it just depends on the you know the personality the the situation the home life the, a lot of things it depends on a lot of things if it's a good move or not and it's, it's really hard to know like kind of you know what's going on behind the scenes in, in these camps maybe it is a shit show or maybe it's just an unknown gym that are doing all the correct things it's just true. so hard to know that's true as well yeah it is true well i feel like with mitchell wasn't he he was on the ultimate fighter with daniel carmy i think and uh, like he seems having in there I'm not, you know like uh, if you look at say conor mcgregor the example i use like he went to iceland and he trained over there for a while and now they have the connection to gunnar nelson and stuff and you know he's uh, we you always see pictures of mcgregor when he's like in different parts of the world and he goes into a gym and he trains there and he went in i remember eddie bravo told the story once he went in and he trained there and like that's what you need to do as well even if you go you know bryce mitchell go for a week come to ireland and go to fucking sbg for a week i might help him and train with fucking mcgregor or james gallagher or someone like that and, and the ground game and learn different things and go to ak and go to different like i really think that's a thing that's maybe because of the coronavirus but it's a thing that's dying out a little bit in mma we saw was here about before paul felder used to be at every gym and people used to pop in different places and train with different people and i don't know it's a thing that's kind of gone out of mma a little bit but i think for bryce mitchell especially it would help him a little bit not i'm not saying up and leave your gym but like you know and i said the same about irish fighters and you know you know those young up-and-coming fighters i think you know paul uh, paul hughes was over in australia and he was training over there for a while i'm sure that'll help him and i'm sure if the likes of you know ian gary or james got whoever it might be were going over and training fucking birmingham with them boys or over in you know tristar or whatever for a few weeks and come back to their own gym i'm sure like uh, paul redmond did that didn't, didn't they go over and train there for a while and i think you could see his improvements when he came back and other people I, I think that helps but I don't know, however. Um, so, a good fight anyway from him. Uh, Greg Hardy then versus Morris Green. Um, Hardy was on top in round one. Morris Green went for an Ezekiel choke on the bottom, and like the commentators didn't even call it. I was like, he's going for an Ezekiel choke! But it didn't, he didn't get it anyway. Uh, hurt him. Uh, and a good stoppage, I thought, from, from Herb Dean after that big right hand. <laughs> also, Greg Hardy missed weight, which, like... For a heavyweight, is uh, <laughs> there's a lot of bad things to say about Greg Hardy. He's not a great human being, but like missing weight at a heavyweight was like, okay, I love that now. <laughs> okay, you've one plus point. You've like five hundred negative points, but you've one plus point there. But uh, Andy Stevenson last night over Twitter go uh, said a thing about Greg Hardy will never be a champion or never be a contender, uh, but his athleticism will cause a lot of people problems. I don't know. I feel like his athleticism. And he's very new to the game. What's he only nine fights in, but he's had those nine fights in a very quick time. And, and he did a few amateur fights as well. I feel like that athleticism in that heavyweight division will bring him a long, long, long way. And if he keeps improving, he's, he's actually moved gyms. He moved from ATT, they said in the commentary, and he's with Rashad Evans now. But I don't know, is Rashad Lee like a, a gym anymore? What's the crack with him? But um, if Craig Hardy is in a good gym with good training and stuff, I think he can. I think he can improve a lot and uh, be a really, you know, be a contender that vision, or maybe even be a champion. What, what do you think of Hardy? Do you, do you see him as highly as I do, or just think he's this athletic guy who's using that athleticism to win and nothing else? Well, I think, uh, like, as he goes up the ranks, it's going to be, like, the power and the strength and the athleticism is going to be less um, useful in a lot of situations. But for... You know, maybe maybe over that time he'll develop his game because you know he's he's obviously uh, he's been an athlete for pretty much his whole life. But uh, MMA is different, you know what I mean? <laughs> There's a lot of things to learn as well in MMA. You know, he's seven and two now. He he's still only thirty two. He's not exactly you know he's not he didn't play in the NFL for twenty years, retire and and come to MMA. He did it earlier, so there is you know probably a. Uh, 
you know, uh, maybe he should get a bit more respect for the the, the time and the the the, win, the times he's put in and the wins he has, you know, and even you know the losses he has recently against uh, Volkov, where mm-hmm. you know he put up a, a good show and uh, obviously he lost the decision pretty pretty wide, but he he kind of did it better than a lot of people thought. Yeah. And uh, obviously, a loss can can teach you a lot as well. And he's come back. He's he's won a decision. Now he's won a won a, a KO. So um, yeah, he, he. I think as he goes up the division, you know, he he'll run into guys who are the same weight as him and the same strength as him, and he won't be able to won't be able to use some of his explosiveness and athleticism. But by the time he gets there, maybe he'll have improved on some more fundamentals, which he seems to be doing fight to fight. Yeah, and he's one of these guys as well, obviously, because of you know the. The domestic violence past and things, you know, when you're talking about him as an actual fighter, yeah, that, that, that was that was not never convicted though. So we, well, you know, just to mention that as well, he he was found guilty in court, and then things changed after that, and it was he he got so yeah. yeah, but he was found guilty at the start. I think Luke Thomas put it up at the start, so you know, there's. Yeah. There's good articles and stuff out there if you want to read that. I know uh, Trent Reinsmith put up a thing about it last night and other people as well. So if you want to read about that. But like I think that's the reason why people, mm-hmm. you know, Greg Hardy, if you want to talk about him in that fashion, 100%. But if you want to talk about it, it fighter A versus fighter B and discuss him in that way, you know, do that with his fighting ability rather than what he is outside of the cage. If you want to talk about what he's outside of, out of the cage, 100%. Now, I don't like Greg Hardy. I don't think he should be in the UFC. Uh, but like, you know, you have to separate those things when you're talking specifically about skill set. You don't have to separate them when you're talking about Greg Hardy or when you're talking about this card or anything like that, just like we've done here, but however. Um Kevin Holland then just smashed Charles Antiviras into the ground. Uh, to me it looked like I, I was watching it back afterwards because I didn't see the fight live. I was watching the boxing match and it looked like he dislocated his shoulder but it seems like it was a neck injury he went afterwards and got yeah. checked out. So he's, he's okay. It didn't but. look that like yeah it didn't look that like you know powerful a slam or that he landed on his neck or his head or anything. So I was surprised that he stayed down so long and you know obviously the something's gone wrong there. Dana came out and said that, he, that he's alright but uh you know, obviously, obviously, something happened there. Like, they seem to be kind of the details kind of seem to be sparse at the moment. But it did. Uh, I think one of the commentators was saying it looked like a shoulder, but maybe yeah. it was something to do with tweaking his neck or one of them. Who was it? A, a stinger? Was it? Was it Joe Warren years ago in Bellator? Yeah. Like tackled somebody, or he would, he took down somebody. I think. I think he went for the takedown and kind of stung his own. They it call it a stinger with, uh, where your kind of neck goes. Um, it happened with Graham Maynard, didn't it? Numb for a second. Remember that time in the other yeah, fight? Yeah, or that's a double knockout. Or I think he might have kind of knocked himself out there. But I think it was one of them stingers where they say that, like, you kind of whatever you jolt your neck the wrong way or bang your neck the wrong way, and it kind of goes numb for a few minutes, a few seconds, or or more. And it's, it's it's obviously sounds very scary, but from what Dana was saying, uh, he has full movement and all that stuff. So hopefully, hopefully we can trust Dana on this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can trust him on very fucking little. But yeah, good win for Kevin Holland. I think that's four and zero now in twenty twenty. So a good year for him. Uh, Tiago Moises and Bobby Green. This is another fight I watched back after it. So. I didn't actually hear the result of this when I went to watch it back, but I saw Brendan Fitzgerald at the end of the uh, the broadcast said there's been like eight finishes in a row, so I was like, oh, this is going to be finished, but he must have been eight finishes in the card or whatever, but anyway, I was watching this, and I was like, Bobby Green, We we the last time Bobby Green fought, we talked about him, and we were like praising him, and he stopped the bullshit, and he wasn't the old Bobby Green anymore, he was this new guy fighting really well, and I was like, oh, he's kind of gone back to that now a little bit, but he's going to get the knockout, and then no, he doesn't, he loses the decision, I thought it was a good decision, I thought Moises won, but... I was very disappointed in Bobby Green. Like, it was the old Bobby Green, like, oh, come on, hit me, you know, talking inside in the cage, and I'm not just getting to his fight. Just threw away everything that he'd improved on over the last three or four fights. Really, really disappointing performance from Bobby Green. I think he could... Mize is a good fight. Take nothing away from Mize. A good fighter. Good performance, but... You had the second round for Green and the third round for Moyes, yeah, and the, yeah, the first round you gave. First round for Moyes as well. Yeah, the, the first round was very close. I thought like it could have yeah, went either way. Like I did yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Third round was close as well, to be honest. But I, I think it was the right decision to give it to Moyes. But yeah, like that was the sort of fight. I think Bobby Green probably could have won thirty twenty seven, or maybe even knocked him out. You know. Moises was one of these guys who's just throwing big leather and Bobby Green standing there kind of taking it for a while. Is that's going to work against you on the judges' scorecards, like? Uh, and I, yeah, just not happy with that performance well from Bobby Green. I have a soft spot for Bobby Green. Like I like to see him doing well, and it feels like he's his own worst enemy at times. And 
Very unfortunate. So anyway, uh, there were some big knockouts. Then Alexander Hernandez got one uh, on his day. You know, he gave me an absolute problem. Yanez got a head kick, fucking foot right to the face. Beautiful uh, finish. Sean Strickland beat um, Jack Marshman by unanimous decision. There was an arm triangle choke for Jason Witt against Cole Williams. Uh, Dustin Jacoby got a leg kick TKO. Uh, against Justin Lede and then Miles Johns with a beautiful uppercut against Kevin Natidad. There was a beautiful uppercut as well in the boxing last night. Last night, Javante Davis got one. If you haven't seen that, it was an absolute insane chaos. So, some uh, good nights for uh, for uppercuts. Um, then as well on the broadcast, they, well maybe no, it actually wasn't on the broadcast, which was the weirdest thing ever. They announced it afterwards that Israel Adesanya is going up to fight Jan Blahovic for the 205 pound title in a move which okay we we kind of said that's what he should do after his last fight instead of calling out jared cantonier as you've called him <laughs> which, which i'm gonna continue to call him now um but like the, the one thing i could think of here was how much of a fucking misstep this has been from john jones john jones his whole career has just been you know <laughs> misstep after misstep in terms of like decision making He's, but but do you think yeah. Adesanya would be moving up if it was John Jones? I don't. I think probably not. Why? Do you I think, think it's he's looking at an easy fight in his mind against Jan, and he's thinking this could be a, a nice way to make myself more marketable, open up my options, make myself more money. And if he went in against John Jones, maybe he'd be confident as well. But he probably looks at the Jan versus the the Jones matchup and thinks that one's that one's a lot easier. Yeah, maybe, maybe he is that type of character too. Like, so, yeah, he was calling out Jared fucking Cannonier, and he's not last fight. So maybe, yeah, but like, oh, I don't know. It feel like it just feels like to me for Jones, right? If Daniel Cormier had beaten Stipe, fair enough, go up the heavyweight and look for that big fight, and that's a big, big pay that you're gonna get that straight away. Um, or else. You know, Stipe wins, and Stipe's fighting in Gano. Like, right now, they don't look like in a big move to give Jones a title shot straight away, uh, initially, anyway. So, if you'd stayed at light heavyweight, you could have had that big Adesanya. Okay, maybe Adesanya wouldn't have moved up, but Adesanya's been talking back and forth with Jones all the time, and I know he said, like, uh, oh, I'm, you know, I'm good enough or whatever, or, you know, I'm, I'm improving all the time. But I think that's just shit talk, and I think... Like, if he was offered a fight by Dana White against John Jones for the light heavyweight title, I think he probably would have taken it, to be honest. Um, but, like, John Jones... So, where, where is John Jones now, like? He doesn't have the Adesanya fight, right? Just for nothing. He doesn't have the Adesanya fight for the title. He doesn't have his title. He doesn't have a heavyweight title shot. Like, what is jo- what's Jones' next move? Is he going to fight fucking Greg Hardy or Alexander Volkov or something? Or, like, what do you think Jones does next? Yeah, um, it kind of seemed like from what they were saying a few few weeks or months ago at this stage that there was plans from to go to heavyweight and yeah. a plan there, but it it seems to have gone very quiet. Um, I don't know what the sticking point is there, or maybe maybe he thought he he go up and fight Cormier and Cormier is like oh, I'm I'm finished, I'm retired. But uh, yeah, he just seems to be kind of blown in the wind there, Jones, at the moment. And, um. He probably will be, you know, um, vocal about this Adesanya thing. So maybe he can, he can kind of, you know, slip back into the light heavyweight if if the heavyweight matches don't the, the exciting heavyweight matches don't appear. He could go back and, you know, face Adesanya for the for the title in what would obviously be a, a huge fight. How ridiculous would that be, though? Like, the, the, he just gave up his belt. <laughs> I'm going heavyweight. I'm all right. <laughs> nah, I'm all right. I'm all right. I'll be a challenger again. It's just- makes like it's just the most john jones thing ever wouldn't it be the most mma thing ever though if uh, uh jan blahovic went in and knocked out adesanya and then like he fought john jones and beat him as well <laughs> and then he's like oh it's jan blahovic and they're not no offense to shanty or anything but uh it's funny though because like I, I, I as we get on to next week's card a good segue here to talk about um to talk about next week's ufc card i watched jan blahovic for the rewatch this week it's it's coming out on, on uh, Thursday, I'm unbelievably fucking uh, well prepared this week. Uh, I watched Jan Blahovic versus uh, oh god Thiago Santos, who's fighting Glover Teixeira next week, and he is a very very beatable fighter. Is Jan Blahovic like if you look look at what um, Santos did to him, he just stayed outside of a lint all the time and was just quicker than him, just shot from further out and was just more powerful than him, like. 
Adesanya is a horrendous matchup, I think, for Jan Blachowicz. Just a terrible, terrible match. John Jones is a better matchup, I think, for for Blachowicz than uh, uh, than uh, than is. I think like so. It's it's going to be an interesting fight. But talking about the, the Thiago Santos Clover Teixeira fight, as we move over to that, I think it's the same sort of thing there. Like, okay, Santos has been out now with his his two bad knees or whatever. But if he comes back and looks anywhere like he did in that Blachowicz fight, and obviously fought John Jones as well. I'm a big fan of Glover Teixeira. I think, you know, we Glover, Glover Teixeira a lot and think he's one of the most underrated. To me, I think he's the most underrated fighter in the UFC at the moment. But he, what his game is predicated on is getting inside, getting takedowns against you, landing big shots over the top. He's not a really good athletic movement sort of guy, but Santos is that. He's really good on the outside, can break inside really quickly and does it intelligently. I think... Um, you know, I say this again, and I, I just said earlier in the podcast, it's a thing that's not that applicable to him. But I think if Glover Teixeira plays a long game here, it might actually benefit him because Santos in previous fights has gotten a little bit tired. And again, okay, the Jones fight, he didn't really, but he he does tend to get tired, especially uh, if he's, you know, chasing you and breaking inside a lot. So if I was Glover Teixeira here, survive the first two rounds, try to win three, four, and five, I think that's the best way for him to, to do it here. Wait Santos is a little bit more tired to uh, to explode a little bit or try to get your takedowns, but I I still can't see it. I think Santos will probably end up knocking him out in the first couple of rounds. How would how you see the fight going? It's a, it's a really good fight, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's obviously, in the past, we talk about a lot about Glover Teixeira being um, an underdog and or being um over underrated and always being an underdog for some reason and we've picked him a lot of times but as you say as if if Santos is anything like he was before his uh knee injuries and his and his little layoff obviously it's never ideal for a layoff and never ideal to have knee injuries but it's knee injuries in the last like 10 or 15 years kind of aren't as devastating to a career as as they used to be you know we see guys return all the time and look the same or look or look similar or better even Mm -hmm. uh, which wasn't the case like 15 years ago people got a knee injury that was kind of beginning of the end nearly uh for for nearly all athletes it was a kind of a it was a miracle or an outlier if they managed to come back the same so Mm -hmm. i I wouldn't put too much behind that you know obviously being out of being out of training uh rehabbing and all that stuff maybe with coronavirus he mightn't be able to you know train as much as he as he used to but i do think you know glover's he's getting on the style matchup isn't really great for him here mm. um yeah I, uh, if he can drag along as you said he definitely has more of an opportunity but uh yeah you'd have to you'd have to think santos here you know he's coming off a win a win over the the, the current champion and uh close uh loss to john jones so this is uh definitely a step down in, in competition yeah 100 percent I wouldn't rule Glover out though, at the same time, you know. I would strongly favour Santos, but Glover's smart, and you know enough people have ruled him out before, and I won't be that stupid <laughs> to rule Glover to share out. Absolutely not. But um, yeah, good fight, really, really good fight. I'm really looking forward to this fight, and it's it's one of those watching that rewatch of the, the Santos Blahovic fight and just knowing kind of intimately how good Glover to share is, having talked about him so much. It's it's one of those fights I'm really, really looking forward to. So it should be uh, so be interesting. Um, there's actually. A card here, if you want to go through it and, and do the... This might be a good one for uh, Let the Record Show because there's some really good records here, you know, in the comment event, Tanner Bowles are fighting Andrzej Arlowski. Tanner's done great stuff in the last year or 18 months or so. Um, Hani Barsolas versus Kalita, um, 14-2 and two versus 15-1. and one. Ian Heinish versus Brendan Allen, really, really good fight there. Uh, Claudia Gadelia, 18-4, and four, fighting Zhao Yan, 12-1. Really wanted big up-and-comers in that division. Uh, so a big fight there for both women, but for Claudia especially to kind of... She, she needs to hang on around that division, and uh, she needs another win there. So a uh, big fight for both of them. Jiga Chikadze, he's fought a good few times this year as well. He's fighting Jamie Simons, Trevin Giles against Bevan Lewis. That's a pretty good fight. Uh, Alexander Romanov, 12-0 against uh, Marcelos Rogerio de Lima. Darren Elkins, my boy team, Sheehan back here again about to put another 13 and 1 prospect into the ground max griffin against uh, ramiz berzam and gustavo lopez against felipe corrales so you know not 
no big standout names apart from maybe Claudia Gadelia and and um and the damage. and stuff and the damage yeah but, but I like that card it's a pretty good card it's one I'd be tuning maybe a little bit earlier for and actually care about the premiums in there so it's a not a bad card at all um Bellator at the weekend we did a full recap of this our, our last Thursday uh, myself and Andy but did did you see the the Gegard Musasi Lima fight what do you think of it yeah I kind of kind of went the way we kind of. We said it would go on the, was it the betting show or the podcast? The podcast is AM. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah. So, yeah, it kind of went as expected. It was it, it was always a tough matchup for Lima, in my opinion. Uh, obviously, Musashi's a big, long guy and well-rounded. And, uh, you know, maybe it's not the best fight, uh, most exciting fight, but it's, uh, it's a re- or a style. Maybe it's not the most exciting style, but it's a very, very hard style to deal with and to beat. You know, um Obviously, Gegard Musasi in the past was kind of known for being a bit lackadaisical, but he he's kind of gotten over that. He's he's obviously very experienced, uh, been around a long, long time, and there's no shame in losing for Lima. But uh, it just kind of shows when you step up weight classes that it's it's you know there's a lot of other factors involved and uh, range and and length and obviously is a is a huge thing when somebody knows how to use it. Mm-hmm. How'd you score the fight? Forty-eight, forty-seven. Um, I'm just trying to think which rounds. The, 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 so the first round was close to a ten-eight for for Lima, but or for uh, Musasi, sorry. But everyone gave it to uh, Musasi. Definitely won the round, but it was the only question was a ten-eight. Second round was close enough, but I think most people gave it to Musasi. And in the last three, the, the third one I think was very the third close was as Musassi, well. Musasi, I think. Yeah. yeah. And in the last two, I think Lima won it. But I scored it for Lima, but like. <laughs> you know, it was a very close fight. To be honest, it was. It wasn't one of those ones. Like thinking back on it, I think a draw is probably the right result because I think Lima won that third round. He definitely won the fourth and the fifth. Jern Vallel gave the fourth and the fifth to Musasi, which I'm like, not a great week for judging, to be honest. But it, it, they were close enough rounds, and the, the fifth round I don't think was because that was the one where um, Musasi got a takedown but did absolutely nothing with it. Um, so I don't like the judging in that round, but. Yeah, look, it was one of those rounds where the, the result wasn't the problem, but I think a couple of rounds were the issue. Like, I have no problem with Musashi getting the result. That third round was so close. The second round was close as well. Like, but, like, imagine if this this fight, the second round was close, the third round was close, and I think the fourth and fifth went to uh, Lima. Imagine if this was 49, 46 the, Lima. <laughs> you would have yeah. been like, what and the, the fuck? Fifth, the, fifth, the fifth was very close, too. Was, uh, you know, you could you could have given that to Musashi, yeah. m- maybe. I can understand why, but, yeah, I think I think the first three for Musashi and... Yeah. You know, obviously the first uh, you said it could have been a ten. I don't think it was quite enough, but yeah, I could also see that card as well. Like so, yeah, I think Musashi probably just just deserved it on my card. Yeah, so yeah, not a great fight though. I think uh, Andy described it as a Tyron Woodley sort of fight, and that's kind of what it was. Yeah, not not a great fight at all. Um, the comment event: Henry Corrales beat Brandon Gertz, who he got. I think he got a thirty twenty seven as well from Doug Crosby, which is another terrible fucking judging card uh i'll be back to i'll be back to prison judges next week lads don't worry <laughs> don't worry but it hasn't been a great week that brandon Gertz in the first round i think and i hate stats but they pulled up the stats and he goes he thrown 19 strikes and landed one and it wasn't a big concussive knockout blow or anything like that uh and he won that round for on doug crosby's guard which i thought was ridiculous but corral just kind of picked him apart Gertz was just throwing big blows all the time and uh not a great performance at all. Dalton Rasta, he looked good against Ty Gorner. Jake Hager, uh, AEW's own former WWE star. He was in a fight here, you know. He was in a he was in a real fight. He bloodied up eye pokes. Uh, my favorite moment of the weekend was in the first like ten seconds of this when Brandon Carlton uh, eye poked him, and then Jake Hager like went straight across the cage and eye poked him back. <laughs> it was fantastic. It's what MMA is all about. Beautiful flying knee from Sabah Hamasi against Bobby Volker. Johnny Elbden beat uh, Tyler Johnson. Adam Barrocks as well got another good win there. And Cody Law, uh, he's 1-0 now, but he's uh, he's a real prospect coming through there. So I keep an eye out for him uh, as well. So a good win for him there. Uh, next week's Bellator card is a very, very uh, odd, I suppose, an interesting one. We have Melvin Manhoof taking on Beast in 24-7, Corey uh, Anderson, or Corey Overtime Anderson, the stupidest nickname ever now, but he had the best one before. Um, do you give Melvin Manhoff any chance here against Corey Anderson, Graham? What do you think? 
Mm, I'd be very surprised. Uh, obviously, Manhoff is is dangerous on the feet. His leg kicks are good, but he's what he's mid forties now. Even even at his, even at his best, he was inconsistent. I think Corey Anderson's uh, an underrated guy. He's, he's very difficult guy to deal with. I think uh, Anderson probably win this handy enough. Yeah, I agree too. I think I think Anderson strike with him for a bit and then take him down and push him against the cage and make it a bit of a nightmare for him. Three five minute rounds it says here. Oh no. Oh yeah, three five minute rounds, yeah, not five five minute rounds, sorry, yeah. Um Tyrell Fortune eight and one is in the comment of Intigan Side Swama. Uh, Austin Vanderfort, Mr. Page Van Zandt um, is also on this card. 9 0 in his career, so he's fighting Chris Curtis. Um, Derek Anderson, who's been around for a long time, is fighting Killis Mata. Uh, and there's other fights as well on that card, and fair play to all of them there. Actually, one that maybe uh, Sinead Kavanagh or Liam McCourt might be looking at, Janae Harding, is fighting uh, Jesse Miele in the women's 145 pound division, so maybe. Uh, maybe one of those will be uh, fighting either uh, either Lear or Sinead upcoming, but I'm sure uh, Sinead mm-hmm. is looking at Chris Eiberg, so be interesting to see uh, what happens yeah. there. According to the, the the fight card I'm looking at, the the, the prelim main event is an 0-0 guy against an 0-0 guy. Yeah, I'm looking at an topology as well, mm-hmm. but I don't know. You know what Bellator now. Remember that time we were like waiting for Kiefer Crosby fight to come on, and then it would like actually happen like an hour oh, and a half Oh, it was a dark earlier. match two hours ago. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, apologies, guys. Yeah. Oh, you wanted to watch that, did you? Oh, well, that's unfortunate for you, isn't it? Poor fuckers. Um, come here to me. Dana White said last night Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier is happening at 155 pounds. He also said that they're not taking the title off Habib because he reckons Habib will fight again. Um, I don't know what the crack is with Dana White. He seems to have a lot against Conor McGregor for, for some reason. It feels like he's going to have this fight 155 pounds and then strip mm-hmm. Habib like the, the week after or something. I don't know what the crack is with him at all. What's your like? What's your call and all that in 155 pounds? It's so hard to know. Like you know, he's he's by the looks of things from the 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 messages that were released, it looks like he was kind of fobbing off, fobbing off, and mm-hmm. it's a strange situation. You know, obviously Dana doesn't like getting called out on. You know, he's saying one thing to the media for months, and you know the screenshots say a completely different other thing. So he's probably not happy about that. Maybe that's part of the, you know, you, you fuck me over, I'll fuck you over kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, and he's done a lot of like, that. It doesn't seem like uh, you know good business in terms of how to make the most money but you know um like, yeah it's a strange one if 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 the reasoning was mcgregor keeps saying he wants to fight pacquiao after this doesn't matter if i literally said i'm using this doesn't party if i preparation it's a southpaw you know it'd be good preparation and they said right i don't want to we don't want to give him in the title shot he's just gonna go and fight in boxing then i said okay fair enough but like that hasn't been the reasoning at all like the reason there seems to be no reasoning apart from Dana White is a bit butthurt because you know Conor McGregor released those things and he doesn't like people talking back to him you know uh, Dana's always been this one you know whether it's Randy Couture or Tito Ortiz or whoever it might be you know the the, the meme like he was never my friend as I was a thing around you know he's he once said McGregor was like the easiest guy to ever work with and I'm sure he won't be saying that forever you know he's one of those guys but uh Look on the wider point, anyway. I suppose, or maybe on a on a not on what's the opposite to wider on the the narrower point. McGregor versus Parry at one hundred fifty five pounds. I'm delighted with that. Um, I think you know. <laughs> No matter what you do with the title, let's say Habib is next and the winner of it fights Habib, or let's say, you know, the winner of it fights the winner of Tony Ferguson versus Michael Chandler or whatever it might be for a title. I think it makes sense to, to fight it, you know, 155 championship way, as McGregor said before, 145. Um, and as well, I think McGregor is a different fighter at one. 40, uh, 155 than he is a 145 or 170 I think it's his best weight you know he isn't carrying as much weight he can throw more of his stuff he can you know he, he, he'll just look better there and the fact that we haven't we've seen him what, what he fought Habib there and he fought Eddie Alvarez there and those uh, if I'm not mistaken are the only two fights we've seen Conor McGregor at 155 pounds in the UFC which in my opinion is his best weight that's a crying shame so to see him fight Dustin Poirier there Poirier's best weight as well, 155 pounds. He's looked fantastic there. That makes me happy as, you know, a fan of MMA to see two really good fighters fighting at their best weight. It's just, I think it's those are the best conditions for this fight to be really, really good. So, okay, they might have to cut a bit of weight and stuff like that. But McGregor's, both of them got down to 145. So it's not going to be a big issue for them to get one down to 155. You know, it's never easy for anyone. But uh, 
I think that's the a good option going forward. And I think it's the best option for the fight as well itself. So I have no problem with it. What do, what do you think? Are you, are you happy at a 155 or would you be happy enough at 170? Yeah, well, I think 155 makes sense for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, maybe maybe Habib has told Dana something different and that he's, he's going to come back. But mm-hmm. just for the, you know, even even if even if Habib is sticking around, you know you want the fans and the, the public want to see you fight at one fifty four or at the at the weight class. Even if it's against a guy, you know a lot of people say, "Oh, they shouldn't be weight cutting. They shouldn't be weight cutting. They should just fight at their natural weight." But when it comes to actually doing it, people don't want it. Mm-hmm. So you know, uh, obviously one seventy is uh, is probably you know nothing to cut or only a tiny bit to cut for both guys and it's probably healthier for them to, to do it there but in terms of like um like a a league table or like a you know um legitimacy of the kind of wins to get you to the title it, it doesn't make sense uh if they are trying to you know push one of the, the winner of this towards towards either the the vacant title or towards the habib rematch so yeah i think it makes more sense than, than 170 in terms of uh in terms of competition, but in terms of, you know, these guys fighting, uh, I don't really, personally, I don't, like if the guys are going to fight, I don't care if they fight at, for example, if Jones is going to fight, or if, maybe that's a bad example because he's moving up to heavyweight, but if, if uh, Cejudo was going to fight, years ago was going to fight, you know, you know, he's going to, or maybe Cejudo's a bad example as well, but uh, I'm, I'm struggling for an example here, but, uh, if a guy's going for a t- going towards a title shot at one division, I, d- I don't see the problem with fighting the other guy in a different division as long as uh, or at a higher weight as long as it's the guy from the same division. But yeah. you know, I do I do understand why people want you know the kind of the league the league table format or the mm. the competition to be to be more kind of on paper fair. Yeah, and I think as you mentioned as well, I think the crux of it is especially when it could be a vacant title or you could be next in line for the title. I think it it does make sense in this occasion, especially when McGregor has got. The, you know he got the Diaz fights at 170 and he's got the the cowboy fight at 170 as well like he's he's had that so I, I think he's he's grand now um right let's answer one or two questions before we go obviously as well shout out to our sponsors uh manscaped used uh, the promo code severe and me over at manscaped.com get 20 percent off and free shipping they're now shipping to ireland and the uk as well so uh they hadn't been a while back so you can get them now get them in for christmas support us as well if you're you know you get an, uh, buy something off manscaped you get your 20 percent off you get your free shipping and you'll also be able to support us so manscaped.com promo code severe man my bookie as well promo code severe mma head over to my bookie and get a matched deposit so if you put in 100 quid you will get 100 percent 100 quid matched as well promo code severe mma so uh first question mr podge did anderson go on so long and ruin his legacy would he have been better off retiring after the weidman fights um the problem is I, I think there was a little bit of a debate about this on twitter during the week and i saw a few people said if he retired after weidman fights people will say Okay, he got knocked out and then he never came back. It'd be like a little bit like Ronda Rousey. Like, did Ronda Rousey retiring after her two losses help or hinder her legacy? I don't think it made much of a difference, to be honest. You know, people are going as... You know, the losses hindered her legacy. It didn't help her legacy. But her not coming back after the losses... If she come back and won, brilliant. But if she came back, if she came back and started losing to, to random, yeah. you know, middle-of-the-road girls, then I think people... It probably would have affected her legacy more. Yeah. Maybe Anderson I think people always really say, oh, that, though, she? always remember, Maybe. but but it, it, but even GSP, you know, even you know, in quotes, beating Johnny Hendricks, mm-hmm. people kind of like you know, he, he got out with a with a win, but people said, ah, you kind of got beaten up and you left. Yeah. So if Anderson had went there, as you said, and you know, got knocked out and then broke his leg and just kind of quit. Maybe people would hold that against him that when the as you kind of when the going got tough or when things everything wasn't going your way you just kind of bounced. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, that's true. So it's a tough one, you know. There's obviously money on the table as well, and people always say, "Oh, it won't affect your legacy," but it it does. You look at BJ Penn, like how many people, you know, actually remember BJ Penn as Mm -hmm. as how good he was. People are going to start remembering him for all these terrible displays and. Yeah. you know the sad fights that he's had in, in recent years and against even, middle of the road guys like even for us with say Anderson and with BJ and BJ more so because he's gotten down worse like we you know I'm sure a lot of people watching this have either watched BJ Penn and Anderson Silva in their prime live or gone back and watched those fights and realised how good they are even sometimes you'd 
you'd forget it or you'd get like blown away and this is what they are today you know rather than what they were in at their best and that's you know that's kind of sad too as well and it's maybe something we, we shouldn't do and that's why i think those career retrospectives are good as well like even the one we did for uh, uh was it sakuraba and we did other guys as well it's like you realize how good they were in their primes as well and i think that's what we kind of need to do a bit more but um one or two more here uh philip f key odds on uriah hall becoming ufc champion one day I uh, I don't think he will. What, do you, what he's a good fighter, oh, like. Nah, no, yeah. yeah, I'd be very surprised. Uh, you know, um, the mentality is a huge thing, and I think even Roy Hall himself tell you that his mentality isn't, isn't isn't very good. And you get into these bigger fights against you know top guys, and you know uh, being a bit trigger shy and stuff can cost you. And I I just. I just don't think he has the, you know, he, he, he maybe he has the the fighting ability, but I just the whole package together, I just don't think so. Yeah, and last question here of Patrick Sheehan asks if uh, Habib gave up his title at one fifty five, would it be easier to make the GSP fight? I think it probably would because I don't think GSP wants to fight at one fifty five, and I think if Habib still has the title, um, I, I, he's the type of guy who will say, "I'm fighting at one fifty five. You come down and make that weight." But I think if he if he does vacate the title and if they want to make that fight, I think it makes it a little bit easier. But for the UFC, they'll make it anyway. But I think on Habib's terms and on GSP's terms, I think it would make it a bit easier. That seems to be the fight they want to make anyway. But sure, however, that's it from us, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. Sign up as well on patreon.com forward slash severe podcast. It's the first of the month now. I'm just looking at my calendar here. So perfect time to, to sign up. You sign up today. You get, I think there's about 700 past podcasts and articles and all that up loads of episodes to rewatch i just finished the top 25 greatest fights of all time i think there's like over 100 episodes of the rewatch up right now and you can go back and listen to every single one of them for the price of a pint for this whole month so i'll sign up let us know what you think patreon.com forward slash severe podcast there's loads of lads out there i'm telling you if you want to give them an old message like sean dinney and ian o'neill and severe junkie and uh dan and all the boys over there harry kearns they'll tell you they'll all tell you how good it is um and uh how, how it's well worth the, the price of a pint a month so sign up patreon.com forward slash severe podcast and all that's left to do graham is give the inspirational quote of the week always appreciate those who never gave up on you those who will always have your back See you next Tuesday. Or Sunday when there's Tuesday or Wednesday. Tuesday, probably. Bye.